Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to session number six of the Bebop Rewatch podcast. My name's Jason. I'm the host of the show. And as always, I'm joined by the Russian Kid, a.k.a. Rich Kid. Rich Kid, say what's up, man. Howdy, folks. Howdy. Cool. Thank you for joining us. Um, apologies that we've kept you waiting for this one. Um, thank you for being patient with us. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes life just gets in the way of stuff and you're not able to do things as often as you'd like. But nonetheless, we're here and we're ready to crack on with uh, session number six, which is called Sympathy for the Devil. Um, by the way, I must say as well, thank you to those of you who've been listening to the older episodes. I've, I've noticed quite a spike in those um so i'm assuming people are keeping up with this as well so if you are welcome as said um and thank you uh rich how you been man yeah not too bad man i can't complain like uh you know i always relish these uh these sessions with, with cowboy bebop is the show that I, w- I try to watch every so often uh and this just gives me another excuse to watch it as well so um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah so mm. yeah but apart from that everything's all good Cool. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Well, for those of you that don't know, um, what we do on this podcast is we rewatch the greatest anime show ever made, don't at me, um, called Cowboy Bebop. Um, If you've come to this podcast, and I'm assuming you're familiar with the show, so it probably won't come as any surprise to you that we consider it to be the greatest anime TV show ever made. Um, But what we're doing is we're breaking it down session by session. Um, which is the name that is used to refer to the different episodes in the series. So we're on session number six, which as said, which is called Sympathy for the Devil. Um, so, Rich, I think we should just dive right into it, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, wicked, man. Okay, so basically, <laughs> uh, you, you want to do, do the normal thing where you do the breakdown and then I just, I just add in? Um, yeah, we can do, yeah. Okay, I mean, cool. um, yeah, let's, let's, let's set the scene for people. Um, so with this episode, it kind of kicks off with um, a scene that I didn't actually remember when I first watched the show, but seeing it again the second time, I was like, wow, this, this show is just so dense and so detailed, man. It's crazy. Um, but basically the, the episode opens with like a, um, I guess like a dream sequence is what you would call it. Um, yeah. Which is... Uh, lots of kind of scenes of, of a laboratory and or, or some kind of hospital and what appears to be someone who's being operated on. Um, and you get like lots of quick cuts of, of like doctors operating. Um, you hear kind of like the, the sound of what we assume is, is hospital equipment in the background. Uh, and you see surgeons kind of working on human organs and you see like fish floating in, in these kind of tubes that are, filled with water and stuff um and then the sequence suddenly jolts to an end and you see spike kind of snap out of it and he's in um like a jazz club i guess is is the best way of describing it um but yeah obviously i mean assuming this is a kind of another hint to spike's backstory because in the last session um session number five you know we we talked about um what that episode tells us about spike's background um, but this part is is quite interesting, Rich, because it seems to suggest he's been augmented in some way or something like that. I mean, is that yeah. is that the kind of thing you took away from it as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, easily. I mean, basically, it's the the one thing I've learned about this show is that nothing is ever done just for the sake of it. Mm. Like, if you don't learn about it in that episode, it will be explained later on. And mm. once again, like you know, like we said, we, you know, in fact, you can at you can at me with this. Cowboy Bebop, the greatest show ever made. Um, come <laughs> at me, bro. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and, and that just proves testament once again 
like every single session that we watch, you know, to, you know, to the writing and, and how they, they look at this like a long game. You know, this is, this is a long story arc and this is a story in which we're getting to know these people. And like I keep on saying is that the way how this show is, you know, is, is written is that you're on this journey with them. Um, I mean, an example is like, you know, if, if anybody doesn't know, me and Jason work in the same place. And if it wasn't yesterday, I think it was the day before, that I found out that for the first time, Jason doesn't like, was it beetroot? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I yeah. don't like it. I can't eat it. Yeah, well, you can't eat. You can't listen. I don't care. That's your. That's whatever you say is whatever you say. <laughs> listen. Yeah, I've known you for over twenty years, and that's the first I fucking heard of it. Right? <laughs> you know. And so what I'm trying to say is that we are. You know, that that's exactly like like Cowboy Bebop. You learn something new about characters. You know, every single time. Like Jason said when he, you know, when he started doing a breakdown of the opening scene, it was something that he completely forgot even happens in this. And um. And, and, and I, I just love it. But basically, you know, in a nutshell, you can see that at some point in his life, there has been some form of, I wouldn't just say augmentation, but maybe like a repair of some mm. sorts, like some form of operation. Um, and the only reason I'm saying that is because, I mean, the, the, it's testament in seeing a character like Jet, who we already know has got like a, an arm or a, a cybernetic arm in place of one that he's that he's lost. We don't know how he's lost that yet. So we know that this is something that can be done. Like um, in the earlier session, we've had a character that's changed from, you know, from a, a, a Caucasian guy into a black-looking Karim Abdul-Jabal-looking character, you know? So mm. we know that body augmentation is something which isn't really so far-fetched. And once again, I'm going to keep on going back to the writing. It doesn't, it doesn't spoon feed you things. It just gives it to you and it says, listen, pay attention. This isn't out of the ordinary. We have made reference to this before. It may not be the exact thing, but it's part of the same field. And um, so, yeah, that this, you know, maybe I've just prattled on a little bit, but I, I just love the writing on this show. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so awesome. Mm. No, I mean, it, it, makes, um, it makes for quite an intriguing way of, of sort of telling that story, really, um, because... As you said, we don't know anything really about Spike at this point. Um, as with all the other characters, really, you, you know, you're kind of given drips of information, but you're not given like a whole heap of exposition or backstory, as as we've mentioned several times on on previous episodes. Um, you know, it's left to you to kind of be patient, basically, and wait until they're prepared to tell you, which is quite a common thing, actually, in. Um, anime in, in general now um now i think about it, it it's uh you know a lot of anime writers seem to to want to take the, the the long approach in terms of telling their stories and that isn't necessarily a bad thing at all um especially when it's done well as as in the case of cowboy bebop um so you know they they, they build the intrigue into the characters and um, then they, you know, they reward your patience if you stay with them by giving you the the big reveal, um, you know, halfway through the the series or towards the end of it. So, so yeah, it was an interesting way to start the episode, um, and it again kind of shows you how with this show they're not afraid of of going completely left field in terms of how they they start and end episodes. Um, they really will just drop you in the middle of it. So yeah, it's it's. it's it's well done. It's very well done, but um, it's a cold opening for those who are used to kind of a bit more um, scene setting with your your TV shows and, and things like that. Um, but anyway, it said Spike kind of snaps out of it and finds himself in this kind of jazz club, I guess. Um, well, it's like a nightclub. Um, 
and there's this kid on stage who's absolutely killing the harmonica, man. Like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is insane. Because, you know, this character on the stage appears to be a very small young boy. Um, if I had to hazard a guess, I would say, you know, maybe sort of 10 years old, something like that. Um, and as I said, this boy is just absolutely working this harmonica like no one's business. Um, and again, you know, shout out to the, the music supervisors on on this, the, the seatbelts, because they just done a brilliant job with every single musical interlude. And we'll probably get onto the music a, a little bit at the end anyway. Um, but yeah, he, he's just killing this, this harmonica. Um, we also get like a quick scene uh, showing us Faye on board of the, the bebop. Um, she appears to be on her own. Um, and basically she ends up eating Ayn's food because she says that he has to earn the food or something like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and like, basically if you wanted more confirmation that, that Faye is, is a free spirit who will do what, will do whatever the hell she wants to do, then, then that's it. Um, because I don't think I've ever seen anybody in an anime just take a piece of dog food and start eating it like that. Mm. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure that can't be good for our stomach, but boy, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was a bit wild. But um, the scene then jumps back uh, to the nightclub and we, we find out that Jet is there with Spike, um, both enjoying this uh, show that's going on on the stage. Um and I love the the kind of little interaction that, that Spike and Jack have about music because it kind of tells you a lot about, um, I guess, about Shinichiro Watanabe's attitude towards music as well and his kind of personal likes. Um, for those of you that know his work, you'll know he did an, a, another anime series um, called Kids on the Slope, which is set in Japan in, in sort of like the 50s and 60s um, and covers music quite heavily as, as its main focus. Um but here, you know, they're, they're talking about the, the kid playing on stage. And um, I think Spike says something to Jet. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, but I think he says something like, um, I didn't know that you liked the blues. And then Jet says uh, something like, I started wailing the blues the day the doctor slapped me on my bottom or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, just like, you know, listen, I've been about the blues since day one. I think it basically... Um, I've been about the blues since the day I came out of my mum and the doctor mm. smacked me on my bum. So yeah, mm. since yeah, like you know, that that's that's uh, that's that's an interesting line. But, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very. Um, but also, it, it kind of tells you a lot about the the philosophy of the show, almost as well, isn't it? Because I mean, um, I mean, you've mentioned this on previous uh, episodes that we've talked about, but very, you know, there's very much a blues focus in in terms of how they're telling this story because if, if you're familiar with the blues listeners and i'm sure most of you are um you'll know most blues records are, are quite tragic songs they're they're songs often about heartache and loss and um you know just finding yourself in a position that you basically don't want to be in um particularly if you're talking about you know um anyone from howling wolf to you know john coltrane to you know and any of those kind of guys um, you know, their songs were generally always about that. Um, 
and it's funny because you know with cowboy bebop so far it's very much felt like a a, a blues record almost in terms of the episodes that we've seen because every episode seems to end up with some type of loss even the light-hearted ones that we've covered so far you know there's always some type of 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 loss and it's always the story kind of always revolves around um you know people at the bottom basically you know hitting rock bottom and, and trying to claw their way out of it um so yeah, I mean that was something that just kind of you know stuck with me from that that conversation, I guess. Um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you something that's that stuck with me, mm. and um, like I said, and it's one of those things that like you know like like you keep on saying, Jay, like I keep on saying, every time we have to rewatch these episodes, you keep on picking up on those little little things that you either never noticed or forgot. Which mm. I, I'm going to keep on saying that, guys. If you guys have, if if many of you guys have watched this show watch it because it's it's that dense you can you can you know you can view an episode and see it on so many different levels but you open up with the whole operation happening on spike's eye and then the first conversation you have like we just said is spike saying to jet i didn't know you like the blues so once again it, it still keeps on playing into that whole thing of like you don't know who anybody is as mm. far as we know spike and jet have been together for an x amount of time but then yet we're in the same position as Spike, where Spike has just found out that Jet likes the blues. And that's something that we've now found out about somebody that we've been following, for, which is now six sessions. Mm. So in essence, they are in the same boat as myself when I find out that Jason doesn't like beetroot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so like I'm going to keep on saying it. You see, like, you see there, there, he, he was working his way back there, listeners. There was a reason why. <laughs> So, yeah, so once again, it, it just proves testament to how good this writing for this show is and how very much, like, it's still grounded in relationships and friendships of how people interact, especially in this episode, that, you know, as we go deeper, is going to, it's going to, it, it kind of sticks to the same theme of, like, you may think you know somebody, but then what you see on the outside isn't isn't necessarily what you, you know, it isn't necessarily what's on the actual inside, but we'll, we'll touch upon that when, when it comes when we come across it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they we find out then that um the reason the guys are there is because they're chasing another bounty, of course. Um, and in this case, they're chasing somebody called Giraffe, apparently. Um, so they're trying to track uh, this guy Giraffe, but they can't track him because somebody kind of gets into the way. Um, and it turns out that this guy is a friend of uh, Jets from back in the day, another bounty hunter called Fatty River. Um, now, Fatty River like made me laugh so much because he just <laughs> was like, he's like the kind of um, he's what you imagine a, a kind of a real life bounty hunter is like in the sense that he's probably just an administrator basically an overglorified administrator because that's effectively all the bounty hunters really are mm. um and he's got the body to prove it because boy is he fat <laughs> like he's just he's rotund man um and he you know he, he his dialogue is is very good in the um in his exchange with, with jet and stuff as well and it it feels very natural but um anyway the the two of them kind of uh sort of have a back and forth jet and um fatty um giraffe kind of is seems to be watching the, the stage this this character that they've come to to collect the bounty on um seems to be watching the stage and in particular is after this kid who's on the stage 
um, anyway, the kids kind of finishes performing um, and he seems to go to somebody, a, a, an old man who's in a wheelchair uh, and him and the old man in the wheelchair leave the club. Um, Spike sort of watches giraffe and, and follows um, them as they get in the, the taxi. Um, and giraffe follows them, uh, follows them as well. Um, and then giraffe kind of ends up at this hotel um he when he gets there he's got his gun out he's kind of um charging around the corridors and then he bursts into the room um that they're staying in and he confronts this man this old man in the wheelchair who he calls zebra um then we get spike uh arriving on the scene spike comes with his uh playing the swordfish um but just as he arrives outside the hotel um, you see giraffe's body kind of getting thrown out of the the window of the hotel and then landing right on top of uh, the swordfish as well. Um, as uh, he lands on there, Spike realizes that giraffe has been shot um, and it looks like he's dying. And um, as he's kind of dying on, on the end of the swordfish and Spike is talking to him, um, swordfish says to him, I think, like, don't be fooled by the way he looks or something like that. Yeah, um, and yeah. then he dies kind of as, as, as the police sort of show up, really. Um, oh, and I forgot, the, the giraffe gives him a ring, doesn't he? Um, yeah. It's at that point the giraffe gives him the, the, the ring. So he has a, a, a ring that he's carrying and he passes it on to, um, to Spike at this point. Um, so they get back to the Bebop um, and Jet and Spike kind of have a brief conversation about whether or not they're going to keep the ring. Um, Faye at this point tries to muscle in and get a piece of, of the reward for herself as well um, but Spike is like hell no that's not happening um, and then there's a funny bit where I think Jet gives her a bill for all of the stuff that she's, <laughs> she's used on board the, the Bebop um, since she's been there seeing as you know she nobody um, actually invited her to stay on the Bebop in the first place um <laughs> and so you know you have that that kind of back back and forth um then from that point jet goes to to meet another colleague uh to try and get some more kind of information um and it turns out this colleague was was also um trying to catch giraffe this is fatty river um fatty kind of explains a, a little bit about the the backstory of uh this character um, this character in the wheelchair and about the the kid who we learn is named Wen, um, who apparently is, is Zebra's son. Um, and then from there, it, it kind of, well, I think it's, well, I mean, you might need to explain this because I can't remember this bit as well, Rich, but I think what, from what Fatty River was saying, it's like, um, uh, they'd stolen something from a, a research facility on Mars, was it, or something like that? I, ca I can't remember exactly. I don't know if you can remember. Yeah, is, is, isn't isn't the thing that they've stolen the 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 diamonds, or basically the thing that's on the ring? Yeah, and, that's yeah, right. It's the gem, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and basically, what they what they basically say is that it's uh, it's is a new form of element that they've basically managed to form into uh, into a gem, and it's and it's got some form of properties that they don't know what it can actually do. But it happened uh, when the when the warp gate. Uh, the, basically, if, if 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 anybody that's listening, uh, before the Cabo Bebop starts, there's a reason why. Basically, they're not really living on Earth, and why everybody has managed to populate other planets. Um, and it's because 
there was some form of like a accident that happened of warp gates and so the warp gates were used to travel around our solar system and there was a really bad accident in which a chunk of the moon was taken out um there will be more references to this accident uh, as we go throughout throughout the actual series as well because it will affect some other characters that you know that you'll that you'll see i'm not going to make them point at any spoilers but basically that was the one thing that was stolen and it was spoiled, stolen for a specific reason and we haven't been at any point told the reason why um but quickly just backtracking mm. once again going back to the whole thing of like friendship and and uh, and friendship and uh, and basically people being partners you know i think once again the proofs in the proofs in the pudding with somebody called zebra and like in a and, and, and a character called giraffe there's mm. obviously like a running theme here of like you know animals and it's not say like a you know just random animal animals these are the type of animals that you'd find in a zoo or find in a safari that you know that if you went into the you know into the jungle they'd be friends they'd be hanging out a giraffe and a zebra give or take hang out i'm sure they go for drinks and shit so it only <laughs> makes sense for these two characters to you know to have names that would kind of similarly float off the back of each other but that's just something that i just realized and you just kept on mentioning names as well mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good spot, actually. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're quite right. Um, yeah, that's obviously not been done by a uh, mistake or, or done coincidentally. Um, yeah, there was obviously some thought in, in putting those those two names on those characters. Um, but with, with regards to the story, uh, Spike goes back to the nightclub at this point and he follows uh, Wen and Zebra to a warehouse. Um, and then when he gets to the warehouse, well, boy, that's when shit starts to kick off, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, Rich, man, you might as well take it from here, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, Spike pretty much approaches, you know, approaches the situation. I, I think he approaches the situation like an adult. And, um, and the one thing that he does say that makes me laugh, because um, it actually reminds me of my own son, um, well, a well, something that I at least get said once a week by my son um he's like hey kid like you know it's okay we're, we're, we're cool you know you're pretty cute and the first thing the boys say or the first thing when says is like i'm not cute <laughs> and, yeah, and i'm just like that's and then spike goes yeah that's what all kids say mm. and it's the thing that i find fascinating is that number one that is something that all kids say and i just want everybody just to remember that sentence i'm uh, kid you're cute I'm not cute. And then Spike reverts back to say, basically re replies saying, that's what all kids say. Remember that line because it's going to play. I think it kind of wraps everything up nicely towards when we get to it and towards the finale of this, of this episode. But mm. anyway, Spike is, you know, is trying to, trying to talk him down. And, um, and when, I mean, when is kind of gone home, man, he's really about that life. He just one <laughs> shot, one shot. I mean, he's a bit of a shit shot. But one shot, and he and he and he manages to graze Spike's arm, which isn't any kind of easy feat, considering that in the in the previous five sessions that we've watched, we've we you know we've kind of come to the realization that Spike is pretty much you know wicked at what he does. He's a guy. He's a guy who does what he does very well, whether he takes a couple of blows or not. But to see a kid be able to pull off this shot, we are now like you know kind of like shown that we're not dealing with just like any old five year old. You know like. Like my kid fucks with me sometimes. <laughs> like, like I think he does. He, in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping, he gets the blueprint and he's got the stick figure draw men, like you know, like in Tom and Jerry, and he's gonna lay Lego on the ground and I'm gonna step on it and it's gonna mess me up. No, this is a whole kettle of fish. Ren is looking to cause some damage. 
So we've already seen him take out one person, and he's now just nearly just he's now just taken first blood from our from our main character. So now we're now into we're, now we know we're into something different, mm. and also where he's actually shot um shot Spike and taken you know and, and shot Spike in his arm and grazed grazed his arm to get away. He's actually pushed um is it giraffe? Is yeah, uh, he's actually it's zebra. Was it, was it a zebra? Yeah, mm. he's got that goddamn animal names. He's actually <laughs> pushed. He, he's actually pushed zebra who is in a wheelchair at the top of the stairs with him down to try and you know distract Spike to escape. And um, and Zebra's catatonic. So I mean, it's not as if he's gonna, you know, get away from this, you know, like, or well, leave it like it's still looking pretty. So there is a certain callousness behind this childish demeanor of what he's prepared to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's a very, very interesting scene because I think Spike just about manages to escape. Um, so you know, like I said, that is is it, it once again it leads it, it leads into the into the finale of the episode and everything will start to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's. I, I must apologize, listeners. There's actually a key piece of information I forgot to give you, yeah, which actually yeah. happened just before <laughs> that. Which is um, on the Bebop itself. Uh, back on the ship, Jet and Faye are, are doing some research, um, and then they come across that newspaper article, um, which seems to have a picture of uh, Wen on it, the little kid. Um, only thing is, the newspaper's thirty years old. So you're like, hold on, how has this newspaper from 30 years ago got this kid in it who's the same kid that they've just seen on stage playing the harmonica who looks no more than 10 years old? Um, so anyway, as, as Rich was kind of explaining there, we, Spike gets into a confrontation with, with Wen and um, Zebra. Uh, Wen kind of takes him out like eerily, like a, well, like a stone-cold assassin, basically. Um and as he kind of takes him out, and as Richard was kind of explaining earlier, he kind of explains a little bit about um, the Astral Gate incident um, and what happened there. Um, during that incident, when was involved in that as, as a child with his family, um, and the, when the explosion occurred, they were actually on the moon at the time, I think. Um, but as the explosion occurred, he was the only person who survived it. Um, and coming out of the the incident, he realized that he stopped aging. So um, even though you know mentally he he has the the capacity of an adult within his body, he's still a child. Um, we learn as well that when Zebra and Giraffe infiltrated the research facility on Mars, um, basically when used that incident as as cover. Um, and then was able, in a way, to kind of take over um, Zebra's body, I guess, is, is the best way of describing it, um, to the point where, you know, Zebra, said, has now aged dramatically and has become this this kind of um, wheelchair-bound man. Um, and we find out that he's the third person that Wen has done this to. And when you hear all of this coming out the mouth of what looks like a bright-eyed, cute kid, it's just eerie as fuck, man. It's just well, like creepy. It makes your skin crawl because, as said, the way they the, the animators have drawn this character and designed it, um, you know, they, they've done a brilliant job of making him on the surface appear to be so cute. Uh, as Spike said, you know, all kids are cute, <laughs> um, but in Wen's case, that's absolutely not the case. <laughs> this this guy is deadly. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, you know, uh, when kind of gives does his you know supervillain exposition speech, um, and then whilst he's doing that, he asks Spike for the ring um, that was taken. Uh, Spike plays dumb, um, and so the shootout kind of continues again. Um, Spike finds some cover, and then he shoots, and he, he manages to shoot Wen's gun away. Um, and then, as Rich was saying, you know, he uh, Wen pushes Zebra down the stairs, and Spike is forced to kind of catch um, Zebra as, as, as Wen runs away. Um, and it just kind of shows you again, like, kind of how cold Wen is, really. I mean, like, as, as said, man, I'm, I'm still bothered by the fact that this kid is just like <laughs> out here murking people, you know? Um, it's crazy. I mean, if you're watching, if you're listening to this episode and you look at the, um, the artwork that I, I put up for the episode you'll see a picture of when and as said like he looks like a normal kid except um his eyes kind of give him away because he's almost got this kind of dead stare to his face yeah yeah um where there, there's just no life there right i mean when you look at yeah. his eyes there's just nothing there I, you know i mean i assume you feel the same way oh yeah yeah no 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 like he's you know it's it's it's, it's almost ironic like when spike goes like hey you're a cute kid because he's he's that kid that if he came like, you know, if you had a friend that's like, hey, listen, I'm just going to, I've got like an appointment. I've got a inter- really important interview to go to. You know, could you babysit my son? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure. No worries. And like the son would come and he'd be like, yeah, fuck, I'm not going to sleep while you're here. Yeah, like what do I feed you? Do I feed you like Pop-Tarts or do I feed you like a, a cup of blood? Like he's, like you said, <laughs> he's just got that vacant, it's like, it's a vacant look, like a mm. um, vacant look. But um, in 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 talking about the the whole explosion or the accident that um that you know that he's part of where when he gains his um when he gains this this it's all ma- immortality, um there's a really sad scene that like I said I mean it's not even said that it's it's there in your face I mean you have to watch it and if you see it you see it but um when he gets up after the whole explosion and he's and he find that he's the only survivor. It, you can see that his parents try to protect him. Mm-hmm. Like, like basically, so like you know, it, um, I mean, the best way to describe it, um, it, um, people who are listening, is that um, both of his parents have basically tried to jump on top of Wen to protect him from this explosion. And when he wakes up, their their bodies have basically been charred. You know, they're like just just blackened bodies. And um, and he's the only survivor. Um, and the other thing about this is that in this flashback that he's having or the description of what's happening about this whole explosion, um, you never see his parents' face. They're just blank. Like you can see that they've got faces and they, they do like little lines for like eyes and for a mouth, but they're, they're basically like featureless. Mm. And I just, and I just, and it, and like I said, when, when we get to the end of the episode and things start to make sense, when I look back, it's like, you, you just, I mean, at this point, you don't, but you do kind of start to feel kind of sorry for this kid because mm. essentially he is still a kid. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing. But yeah, I just thought that I'd, I'd just, I'd just bring that up. I just, I was just waiting for you to finish just, just so I could, I could make that point. But yeah, the, the, the vacancy behind the eyes. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't mess with kids like that. I'm sorry. No, I mean, yeah. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminded me of? It reminded me of Damien from The Omen. Yes, and the haircut. Oh my god, mm. you've actually just banging the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. The, the outfit, the haircut. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. All that was mm. missing 
is that instead of having a yeah, he just he was just missing a big Rottweiler to protect him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some crazy woman hanging herself from a bloody window ledge. I yeah. did it for you, Damien. Matt, <laughs> well, yeah. Dave, remind me about that film, man. I hate that bloody film. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that on the Halloween episode, listeners. We'll cover that one. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, going back to the the plot. Um, when manages to to get away, um, Spike shoots him and hits him, and I think he falls down like behind some boxes or something like that. Yeah. Um, so Spike goes over, assuming he was going to find his body, and instead he's gone. Um, so it kind of you know lends credence to the the story and and the claims that that Wen is making that, uh, about his immortality, basically, in the fact that he can't die. Um, Back on the, the, the Bebop, Spike goes back there um, and he meets up with Jet and Faye. Um, and Jet is using like this kind of machine um, that records like brain memories and stuff like that. It's called the Alpha Catch. Um, and apparently what it does is it restores, um, it records people's memories from their brain, even, if, even after they've passed. Um, and it saves it as video images. So they're able to kind of see what went down in the hotel and how um, Giraffe gets shot like by Wen cold. And as said, if you needed any further evidence of how demonic Wen is um, <laughs> and how creepy he is, then yeah, watch that scene. Um, you then get like um, a, an explanation basically of how they can possibly beat Wen. Um, and it's with this ring that giraffe has, has passed on to them um with the stone inside the stone basically i mean i, I didn't quite follow all the science in this I, I must admit listeners and i don't know if you did as well richard because they went deep into the sci-fi science on this one but effectively um the stone contains this kind of um this kind of crystal that can disrupt um something within his body that, that will stop the aging basically um, I mean, that's pretty much what I, I got from it. Um, and so what they do is they, they fashion this kind of the, the stone into a bullet. Um, and you then get the, the obligatory scene of, of Spike kind of loading this, this bullet into his gun. and Because uh, clearly he's obviously decided he's going to be the one to take this guy out. Um, and then you get the Jet saying, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea, you know, and Faye going, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea, you know, and then um, Spike's nihilism just kind of kicks in and, he's, and he just, again, he, it, it seems like, you know, as we talked about in previous episodes about Spike, as if the guy's almost got a death wish, um, you know, he just seems determined to kind of put himself in positions where the odds are completely stacked against him. Mm. Um and, you know, he, he is, is kind of determined and, and made his mind up that he's going to be the one to bring this guy down. Um, so they leave, uh, Spike leaves the Bebop on the Swordfish um, and he goes to track down Wen. Um, they travel away from sort of the town and um, Jet, uh, sorry, not Jet, Spike finds Wen's taxi that he's in, um, manages to shoot out the tires and and when a uh, taxi crashes into like an abandoned gas station and there's this massive explosion. Um, and then when just kind of walks out of the fire, like completely unharmed. And um, again, as, as if you needed any more, you know, kind of imagery that, that, that kind of hammers home his, when's demonic kind of tendencies, then 
there's no better shot than that shot of him kind of walking out of the fire. I thought that was brilliant, Rich. Um, yeah, yeah, really... yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it was it was the it's the like to me, it's the complete opposite opposite to um you know, to say like a like it's you know like you know the description of like a phoenix as like a phoenix arises from the ashes. It's the complete opposite because a phoenix is seen as a good thing. It's, it's seen as like a, a revitalization. A revitalization. Re, wow. Okay, so that word got me. It seems like <laughs> a nice kickstart to life, right? <laughs> Whereas, like, because we've seen the badness that that when has done. It's almost as like there's something and and like I said, you know, like where you've made this this, you know, this allusion to uh, you know, to uh to him being like Damien, it seems more and more like he's he's something that's that's not human, that's not natural, that's like something demonic, that's something that's that's evil. Hmm. So that's what it is. It's not say like, you know, like a, a phoenix rising from the ashes. There's something just 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 not right about him coming out from there. And as cool as it looks. You you know if there's any other shot of him being the bad guy in this episode, um, if you're still thinking like oh well maybe he's just a kid that's been brainwashed or maybe he's just a kid or you know X Y Z or we know the reason why he's now mean, this is the shot that just basically shows you, yeah, this 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 person needs to die, you know this isn't the type of thing where this is this isn't going to end well end well for anybody. It's either going to be Spike or it's going to be the kid. And um and yeah and 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 I and I like that shot. That shot it, it just basically just sets the tone for you know for, you know you know for for the next bell that comes across. But um, but in but backtracking um and this is just me just this is narcissism kicking in here a bit as well and and a bit of like a loving a bit of the stereotype. Um, I don't remember any of the technical science jargon that they talk about the stone, much like yourself, Jason. But I do remember the reason why when doesn't age, and it's something <laughs> to do with. X, Y, Z, molecules, elements, and something, something, something <laughs> affecting the penal gland um, in Wen, which has somehow stopped that penal gland um, creating uh, melatonin. And so oh, melatonin, okay. yeah, and so melatonin is one of the things that, that uh, you know, that basically ages you. Um, mm -hmm. And melatonin is one of the things that black people have. Mm -hmm. And so his melatonin has been affected in such a way that he doesn't age. And uh, once again, going back to the whole saying, I don't know if any of you listeners have ever heard this thing, the black doesn't crack. And black <laughs> doesn't crack <laughs> because we have melanin in our skin. And melanin is a derivative, the, another word that I can't pronounce. And melatin, melanin is basically what you find in melatonin. So in essence, the reason why when can't age, even though he may look Chinese, it's because that he's got some black properties in him. I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there, right? <laughs> How much black do you think he's got? Would you say about twenty percent? Twenty percent. Well, listen, the kid's been alive for thirty years and he still looks ten. I mean like there's probably like some black people who have an age and look at him and be like, God damn. <laughs> you know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. Well, uh, thank you for the science lesson there, Rich. <laughs> I um, I hope all of you who are listening to this have got your GCSE science um uh, grades up to scratch. Because uh, if you have, then you should have been able to follow that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I never thought of when actually having um, some black in it, but that explains a bit. <laughs> well, he, well, well, I mean, I mean, I'm not to dwell on this, but 
number one, he doesn't age because of the melatonin in the skin. That's number one. But if we did it, if we if we never ever actually paid any attention, the clue was given in the first scene. The first scene oh, was given there. Because yeah, yeah. that motherfucker <laughs> played the blues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 true. true, true. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> hmm. Nobody played the blues like black folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, so where was we? Yeah, so um, the taxi is crashed. Um, when has come out in in against this backdrop of flames with this really kind of sadistic look on his face? He just looks like, as I said, if you could imagine Damien from The Omen, that's that's kind of what he looks like. That that same creepy dead smile on his face the whole time. Um, yeah, man, it's not a good look. Um, anyway, he he takes some shots at Spike, but he misses with all of them. Spike shoots him right between the eyes with the bullet. Um, and when at this point is obviously feeling pretty cocky and thinks, oh, well, it's just another bullet wound. I'll, I'll be all right. Um, but the bullet that Spike shot him with was actually the one crafted from the, the gem they recovered from the ring. Um, and the bullet works and it really kind of a- it ages him on the spot and turns yeah. him into an old man. Um, and when kind of like then falls down and he says something like, I, I finally feel at peace or, or something like that. Um, and then the spike is standing over his body. He kind of says to spike, do you understand? Um, and then spike replies like, yeah, as if, um, and then he has the, the harmonica that when was playing and he throws it up in the air, points at it with his finger and says, bang. Um, and that's where the episode ends. But that image at the end of, uh, spike pointing his finger saying bang has become one of like the really iconic images from the show as a whole because you see mm. it so much on like merchandise and i think we even use it on one of our promotional like artwork pieces for the podcast um yeah and it's just as I said it's one of many kind of um iconic scenes that, that the series kind of offers up um how did you feel about the ending like did you think the the payoff was good well uh, yeah i, I love the payoff i mean and, it's, and it i like the fact that like i said Looking back on the show as a whole, you see when looking for some form of like in in the, in those last moments when he's dying, he's looking for somebody to be like, okay, like l- listen, like uh, if you freed me, like do you understand? What I'm going to like, do you, like do you feel? You no, know, I feel at peace. Do you understand? Mm. And so I I believe that the way how something like the blues plays a large part in the show, and the opening scene with Spike having that dream stroke, nightmare stroke, flashback, and when who is somebody who is desperate to die. In that moment, when he goes to Spike, do you know, you know, when he asks Spike that question, is because in those dying, in those in those last moments of life, he sees a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel. And so I think like with Spike saying as if, I don't think he's in any way being like being rude to wearing or anything like that. I think he's just basically saying as if as like, like, listen, like where I don't, I just don't feel it. We may be searching for the same thing, but I just don't feel it. And I think this is the reason why Spike takes such glee in going after somebody who he believes is immortal. Like he wants, he want, you know, he, he wants to, he wants to be able to chase that dragon and slay it because it's something that that's missing from himself. 
And so I think at that point when he does kill Wen, even though he's succeeded in, you know, in pulling off his gamble, he's now been left with something where it's like, you know, he has to continue searching for that thing that's either going to make him feel alive or, or kill him or in being killed, make him feel alive because there's something missing from his life. Mm. Um, and, 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 and I, I love that. I, I love that, that, that ending, the ending for that. It's, it's really, really good. Um, mm. And like you said, with the whole bang, I mean, that's the first time Spike uses it, but it's, it's not going to be the last time yeah. that he uses it. And I, I just love the fact, I mean, you've got so many famous sayings and catchphrases, you know, from The Rock to Dirty Harry played by Clint Eastwood, you know, to, you know, to Darth Vader, you know, to anything. But you've just got that one word. And anybody who's a Cowboy Bebop fan, that's what you need. If you anybody else that 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 watches Cowboy Bebop, if you guys, like I said, if you have just gotten to the show, if you ever meet anybody, just say the word to them, bang, and I know what you're talking about straight away, because mm. it, it just holds such weight, you know, in uh, with with the character of Spike and the the show as a whole, that it's it is just a, a, a just a beautiful way to end to end this episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. And of course, um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, it, it, it kind of brings the the whole blues metaphor full circle because, um, you know, at the end, the 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 guy who is chasing immortality dies, you know, um, and so it's like there's, but in death there is a peace for him, you know, there, there's some kind of fight release finally from it. Um, even though there was part of him who was pursuing this himself, you know, he still feels that that kind of relief at, at, at the cycle finally being over, um, which is kind of how most blue songs kind of end as well. You know, there's always that kind of relief that, um, well, I've been through some shit, but, you know, at least it's behind me now, um, which is kind of common to, to, to blues music and to blues songs. So, mm. yeah, I really, uh, I really enjoyed that, that, that part of it, you know. Um, but yeah, as I said, that's where the episode ends. So we'll take a, a quick dive over to Bebopopedia. Um, now, as, a, as I always say, this is our number one kind of stop for trivia and background information. Um, and it's a really cool site. You guys should check it out if you're interested in Cowboy Bebop and finding out a little bit more behind the, the, the background in certain episodes and things like that. Um, it does give you some some good information there. So definitely check that out on your Google just type in Bebopopedia and that will come up. Um, so having a look here now, Rich, um, let's see what things come up. So there's not a lot of trivia um, this time, but we do have a few quotes. Um, ah, we've got the full conversation between Jet and, and Spike. So um, back in the, the, the nightclub where they were talking about music, um, when they're listening to When Play the Harmonica, Jet says, damn, that blues harp sounds sweet. I knew it would. Uh, and then Spike says to him, I thought you liked jazz. And Jet says, don't be dense. I started wailing the blues when the doctor whacked my bottom on the day I was born. And then Spike replies, a baby hipster. Very cool. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about Spike's line at the end there. But yeah, that was a, a, a nice little touch there. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, I've, oh, I've there's one. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say I was gonna say, like once again, uh, I know I keep on. I may sound like a, a a broken blues record, you know, just throwing it in there. <laughs> See a little pun there. All right, okay, you're not laughing. Okay, screw it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, but once again, it's still there's 
about this show, there's always running motifs that happens through each episode. And once again, it's about the show is about a, a you know a bunch of bounty hunters that live on a ship called the Bebop who basically search for bounties to earn money to live to you know to eat to survive um and at the beginning it once again pays homage to that with Faye just being hungry so and having to eat dog food but if you remember as well it starts off with them going to collect a bounty on giraffe mm. and the guy gets killed yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so for the rest of it remember for the rest of the episode as much as spike is you know it focuses around spike chasing this bad guy that's not for the bounty the bounty's actually just been the bounty which is like you know in some episodes, the focus of the whole episode, the bounty for this episode is done and dusted within the first 10 minutes or within the first five minutes of the show being aired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, I, and I love that, you know, like it, it hasn't forgotten what the show is about. It is, is you know, it's about bounty hunters doing their job and, mm-hmm. you know, and you see them do their job and that's it. So in, in essence, this is what they do. They might participate in, you know, maybe on their day off. You know, that, that's, that's how we could look at this episode. But mm. I just thought I'd just, I just, I just throw it in there to, you know, just remind everybody that this sh- everything that in this show is done for a reason and it doesn't forget what it's meant to do and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Well, you covered that uh, motif anyway, because that was what I was going to come with, which is, uh, of course, it carries on the tradition of the show so far in that, yet again, um, the Bebop crew have missed their bounty. Yeah, um, yeah. So they've missed out on three million Wulongs, which um, is certainly not the biggest bounty that they've had so far in terms of uh, ones that they've been chasing. But um, yeah, they, it, again, you know, it shows you that <laughs> they're actually not very good at their job so far in the sense that they don't really do very well capturing people. Um, but then as Rich said, you know, the show isn't necessarily about the bounty and getting the bounty at the end, you know, um, this isn't an episode of the fall guy or something like that. You know, <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, that's a really obscure eighties TV reference for those of you that get it. But, um, you know, the, it, this is about the, the characters and, and kind of what they go through. Um, in the pursuit of of these bounties, and the bounties really are are, are kind of um, something that are just there to to, to kind of facilitate the, the telling of the story, you know. Um, so a couple of there's a couple of references in this one. Um, the actual name for the episode "Sympathy for the Devil" um, is apparently a song by the Rolling Stones and comes from their album "Beggar's Banquet." Um, and apparently, the I don't know this song. I, I'm sure I do know it, but I don't know it that well. But apparently, the narrator on the song um, is the devil. Um, and in the song, the lyrics kind of say about the devil watching generations of people die around him. Um, so that kind of ties in again to uh, the character of Wen and um, the idea of immortality that this episode kind of touches on. Um, the character Fatty River, his name is actually a reference to Muddy Waters, um, who was a legendary blues musician. Um, and I mean, if you know your blues music, then you'll you'll know who Muddy Waters is. Um, and this is something I didn't spot, but um, apparently in the episode, uh, when he's seen wearing a green jacket, black shirt and a yellow tie. Um, and for those of you that know your anime, especially the classic anime, um, you'll know that's a trademark outfit for um, a very famous character called Lupin the Third. Um, 
So apparently that is a reference to that, that great uh, anime series as well. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> um, now there's a piece of trivia here as well, which is kind of interesting, which I'll just read to you, Rich. Um, it says here that the episode was unaired um, on American television due to a child being killed and the themes of violence. The scene of Wen getting hit in the forehead and the impact was replaced with a hit flash and a bullet and the bullet mark was digitally removed from the airing uh, the original airing on adult swim uh, on top of that this was one of three episodes delayed in the wake of the 9/11 attacks as it contained a scene of a man falling from a high-rise building and a child when emerging from burnt corpses and later the burning rubble of a destroyed building the beginning of the dream of spike in in surgery had his lower nudity blacked out on adult swim as well um so yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, th there's some context for you listeners in terms of um, the episode. I mean, I've always known those episodes to be uncut. I mean, I don't know if it was different for the UK. It may be, it may well be that they aired it uncut in the UK um, and and just changed it for the US because. But when it was on Adult Swim, Adult Swim um, was would would that have been Cartoon Network in the US at the time? I'm I'm not sure, but. Adult, I think Adult Swim was yeah. I think it was either Cartoon Network or CNX. Mm. But I think, but I think it was Cartoon Network. Yeah, we mm. didn't have an Adult Swim here. Yeah, it was Cartoon. Yeah, it was, it was still Cartoon Network. Get a, a specific Adult Swim channel over here, did we? It was no, more, no, no, like, we didn't. Yeah, they they aired certain programs from Adult Swim after a certain time in in the day, but yeah, um, generally, you know, the normal stuff that that you'd see on Adult Swim actually went to to Cartoon Network here in the mm. UK. Um, but yeah, I don't remember ever seeing a, a edited version of, of that. Um, so I said maybe they just decided for the UK it wasn't that relevant and they changed it. But um, mm, maybe, mm. yeah, because you don't remember seeing that either, right? Well, I mean, well, I mean, number one, I wasn't really looking out for Spike's junk. That's number one. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> and number two, I mean, like, I mean, when you when you look at the way how we censor things here, we censor things, and things are censored in America. It, it's, it's just weird. I mean, like we, uh, like I said, even if he was naked, it's not something that we would focus on. It's only in America that they would do that. It's only in a place, and it's only a place like America where they would block out somebody's junk, but then you know, still allow a kid to buy a gun in a store. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm a bit upset. I, I just saw Kanye talking to Trump today, anyway, <laughs> and, and I'm still a bit peed off about that, man. So you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, boy, let's not even open that kind of worms right there. But um, yeah, but no, I mean, in terms of like the the, the stuff being edited with um, Wen's death and um, yeah. giraffe being thrown out of the window, I mean, I, I suppose if if you put it in the context of you know nine eleven wasn't that that far um, after this had aired on US TV, um, it, I suppose it kind of makes sense, and you know because there was a lot of things as as we know there were lots and lots and lots of movies and and TV shows that had to ch you know rapidly kind of change episodes, plot lines, and all kinds of things because um, of, of what occurred on in, in the tragedy on nine eleven. So um, you know in in that regard, I suppose you know that's that's understandable really. But um, yeah, I'm with you though. Free spikes junk, man. <laughs> <laughs> spike junk yeah. Hashtag spike junk <laughs> Hashtag free spikes junk <laughs> um, Yeah and that's it really For the trivia that's, that's that So um, 
yeah i mean as said it was a a fun episode i mean what did you think of the episode overall i mean it it, it kind of for me it's um in terms of the ones we've seen so far this one is definitely the most kind of um I would say it's the most introspective, I guess, is the way of putting it, because of mm. the, the use of um, blues as, as the metaphor and because there's a lot of um, soul-searching, I guess, in this episode that different characters do and because yeah. of, you know, the, um, the the way they play around with the idea of mortality versus immortality and, and things like that. Um, yeah, it's definitely the most introspective one I've seen. But it what what's good about it is that it does still keep up a, a fair pace it, do, it doesn't feel like it's drifting too much into you know kind of extended monologues which is a, a complaint that i have all the time about some of the animes i watch um even some of my favorite ones you know there, there's whole episodes where characters are having internal monologues for like 10 minutes and it's just like for god's sake man like come on like you can tell still tell your story you don't have to focus on this guy talking to himself for 10 minutes about how bad his situation is we get it we've seen it already um but this kind of doesn't do that in terms of the way it's written and the way it approaches that it it looks for ways um you know to do that through um through the imagery it presents and through the the way that in which the characters interact with each other so you know i i really like that but sorry yeah what, what's your thoughts man i don't know but you just kind of fucking all said it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no no not like literally i i i think you you just bang a nail on the head i mean it, it's it's easily something that can be can be worked for discussion as well like because i mean essentially you know he, he has he has killed a kid mm. spike kills a kid Mm. I mean, he's he may be X, Y, and Z, like you know, he's been around for you know for this amount of time, but then it does it does bring in the moral compass of what people would be prepared to do and what you would do, and and, and I like I like that fact. I, I like that that's what they bring up. Um, I mean, they don't dwell in it too much, but you know, it it, it once again for, it once again falls down into the whole thing of you know down to the title of of the, of the episode, and that's something that I just wanted to. Like for my last point, because um, I'm not a, I'm not going to lie and say I'm a big fan of the Rolling Stones. You know, I'm never going to be one of those people that has like a Ramones T-shirt but can only name like three Ramones songs. Um, th- th- so I'm you know I'm never going to lie and say I'm a big Rolling Stones fan. But Symphony for the Devil is actually my favorite song by the Rolling Stones. And, oh, um, okay. Yeah, and uh, like I mean, yes, yeah, I remember them watching a watching a documentary slash film. Uh, that was made by the Rolling Stones in the 60s, and it's them. The majority of them is just just doing craziness, but throughout the, throughout the whole film is them just doing different recordings of the Symphony for the Devil. I, I've actually forgotten the name of the documentary. It's, it's actually really, really good. Um, I saw it years ago on Channel 4. But um, I think the opening, basically the opening verse of this song just sums up the character of Ren perfectly, especially considering the whole thing of, like, how the blues um and you know how the blues is always meant to represent i mean blues is meant to represent you know the soul of the man or of a woman and 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 how much pain or you you've been through or or maybe even how much pain uh you can give to somebody but the first um verse for simply from the devil basically opens up like this please allow me to introduce myself i'm a man of wealth and taste i've been around for a long long year Stole many a man's soul to waste. If that doesn't fucking like sum up 
the character of Ren in this episode and how much like just him of what's happened to him and it plays out in how it interacts with like Spike and Giraffe and Zebra and other stuff that we are going to find out what's going to happen to Spike. I don't know what I you know I I don't know what you guys are listening to or what you're watching, but um. I just wanted. I just literally just had to say that just to make that reference because, like I said, it's my favorite song, and I can clearly see where we're going with the name of the episode, the naming of this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, man. Well, I think on that note, we'll we'll leave it at that, bro. Um, yeah, but thanks a lot for <laughs> listening to us, listeners. Um, as said, if you are enjoying this, then please let us know. Leave us a review if you're listening to us on a podcast app, um, especially if you're on iTunes. Uh, that really helps to kind of push the um, podcast out there and to let other Bebop fans know as well. Um, on the next episode, we'll be tackling session number seven. Um, what's session number seven called, Rich? Session number seven is oh you know what? Give me a sec. It's called Heavy Metal Queen. Oh yeah, that's right. Um and from what I remember, Heavy Metal Queen is is really good as well. It's a lot of fun. So just like just like every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, very true, very true. Um so yeah, we'll be back soon with session number seven. Um but in the meantime, as said, thank you for listening to us. Hope you enjoyed it. Um make sure you tell your friends as well about what we're doing. Um make sure they come and check us out. Uh we also have a email address that you can reach us on if you want to be a guest on the show. Um, because particularly we want to hear from you know cowboy people fans and, and what you make of the different episodes as well. So uh, if you do want to get in touch with us, uh drop us a line at the Bebop Rewatch Podcast at gmail.com. All right, I'm going to say goodnight. Rich, say goodnight. Goodnight. Um, we're out here, people. Um, until next time, we'll see you, Space Cowboy. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BrickPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 